Hey Real Life Church, it's uh, Stuart Crane here. I hope you are doing well and I hope England won the football. I don't know right now because I'm recording this before the match, but I presume you do. You will have seen the result and I hope Gareth and the boys managed to pull it off. If they did, wonderful news. If they didn't, commiserations and well played to the Italian team. Um, but what I'm going to be looking at tonight is the next part of our series on 2 Timothy. Keep going. Um, but before we get into that, I just want to just talk to you about my family. Our boys, uh, one of the things we love doing with our boys is uh, playing games with them. And one of their favourite games for many years is the game of Monopoly. Um, and the whole idea of Monopoly is to gain the Monopoly game as much money as you can, try and bankrupt your opponents. And when our boys first started playing it, they loved to gain as much money as they could. And uh, they loved to get hold of as many notes as possible. And the bigger notes, the better. And it prompted a whole bunch of discussions about, oh, if we had all these money, what could we buy with it? And it was lovely to do that. And then we had to point out, actually, this is not real money. It's uh, it's fake money. It's not it's not trying to be real. You couldn't actually get anything with it. It works in the game. It doesn't work in real life. And which prompted me then showing them what real money looked like. So here's our... Five pound note with a Winston Churchill on the back and the Queen on the front, and um, we talked about real money. And uh, the boys started talking about actually, is there fake real money, yeah, counterfeit money? I said actually, there is. Uh, there is money out there that actually isn't real. It is fake. It is counterfeit. And I looked up um, on the web, and I managed to find on the Bank of England website that in 2020 there were 170,000 counterfeit banknotes taken out of circulation uh, by the Bank of England and it amounted to about 3.9 million pounds which is a huge amount of money and the good news is in the grand scheme of things it's a very small percentage but that still struck me as a lot um, and as I looked at it and thought about it I thought how do they know uh, what's real and what's counterfeit and something that I came across which I wasn't aware of is the way they tell the difference between what's counterfeit and what is real is by studying the original, studying what is real, so they know it so well that as soon as a counterfeit, uh, a fake piece of money comes across their path, they instantly can tell that it's not the genuine article, it's not the real thing, and it can be rejected, uh, to take, taken out of circulation, and no one else uh, falls prey to it. And so they study the original so closely, they're, they're so familiar with it, that when anything comes along that isn't line up with the genuine article that is immediately identified. And what we're going to be looking at uh, today is the next section of 2 Timothy in our series um, and where Paul is talking to Timothy about what it means to keep going with what is true, keep going with what is right and what is truth in the Christian faith. And so we're into Timothy. If you've missed any of them, they're all online. I think we're in the sixth week, uh, so we kind of just clocked over halfway. We're going to roll down to summer, uh, finish out this letter, and it was written by the Apostle Paul to his young uh, son in the faith, Timothy, who was a minister in the city of Ephesus. And he is, uh, Paul is giving him basically his last sort of words of advice, see, because Paul was in a Roman dungeon at the time and he was facing execution. And the letter as a whole is telling Timothy to keep going in the calling that God's given him. Keep going as a follower of Jesus. Keep going as a minister of the gospel. Keep going in face of hardships uh, and trials because Paul knows he's not going to be there for very much longer. He's going to die and he wants his son to just keep going after Jesus. And the image we've been using is the image of a relay race and Paul effectively is handing off the baton to Timothy saying, you've got to keep going, you've got to keep going, because I'm not going to be here anymore, so I'm passing on to you, I'm passing on the truth of the gospel, I'm passing on you my wisdom of many years of following Jesus, and now it's up to you to take this on and to keep going 
in the faith. So I'm going to read the next section. So if you've got a Bible, grab it. We're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I'm going to read from verses 14 uh, to 26, and then we'll have a little look at the passage. This is what it says. It says, uh, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetos, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They're upsetting the faith of the Son, but God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honourable use, some for dishonourable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonourable, he will be a vessel for honourable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the smear of the devil, after being captured by him to do his will. All right, big idea of what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at uh, what it means that we are to grow in our knowledge and use of God's words so we can keep going with what is true. We're going to grow in our knowledge and use of God's words so we can keep going with what is true. So we've been looking over Timothy past few weeks and we've got to this section and Paul issues a number of commands in this section. There are actually six. There's three in the first section and then there's a illustration in the middle and there's three in the second section. And we're going to go through each section, all three sections, and look at them, look at the commands, look at the illustration and see how they apply to us. So the first section is know the truth. And then we've got the second section is choose the truth. And the final section there is live the truth. So we're going to go through each one in turn. The first one, know the truth, verses 14 to 19. Paul begins saying to Timothy, remind them of these things and charge them before God. Timothy in his role in the church he's one of the leaders one of the teachers there and he's to remind them that's the church these things that's the things Paul have taught him Paul's been teaching the church even in the letter that we looked at last week about keep going after Jesus and he says I want you to charge them which means to warn solemnly before God so there is some there is a weight to what Paul is doing God is watching God is the judge God is over all thing and Paul is saying I want you to charge them these things and he says to Timothy he says first one it's a negative command he says do not quarrel about words which does no good it only ruins the hearers and he's basically saying do not engage in attacks on others which is something that was written 2,000 years ago but is so relevant for us today where so much that we read in culture and social media is people just attacking each other with words going after each other and he's saying it does no good it's useless it actually ruins the hearers it does more damage the the word ruin there means extensive damage you're not to engage in vicious 
verbal exchange with one another because the result is nobody wins. Nobody wins, tearing shreds out of each other with words. He says, do not quarrel about words. Instead, he says, in a positive way, he says, present yourself to God. Present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And Paul then says, you don't do that, but this is what you should be doing. The way that you should be ministering is contrary to those who are teaching um, uh, the false gospel, which we'll come to, he deals with them. He says, you ought to do your best to be a worker who stands approved. And to stand approved implies that someone is assessing your work. You've done some work and someone is looking over it and checking it. And he's basically saying, God is the one who's doing that and you need to pass the test. You need to be someone who's approved in teaching the word of God, in knowing the word of God, and then passing it on to others. Uh, and he says to him, he says, you, you don't be ashamed of that. Do it well, do it right, so that you will rightly handle the word of truth. And that word handling there means to cut straight. There's, there's a straightness of speech in how Timothy should be acting in what he's saying, a correctness in meaning, not deviating, not having kind of uh, ambiguity, obfuscation, but proclaiming the truth boldly and simply. simply. And Paul wants Timothy to be a man who does that. This is what the word of God says and to be to proclaim it to others, to know that word of truth, which is the apostolic gospel, which Paul has been teaching to Timothy through his letters and his other letters. And obviously he's been in person with Timothy preaching and proclaiming. We see that through the book of Acts in Paul's ministry. That's what he did. He's continually proclaiming the good news, um, the gospel of Jesus. And so Paul has been says, don't quarrel. Present yourself to God, rightly know how to handle his word. He said, then he says, avoid mindless uh, conversations, irreverent babble. And it's a negative command again. He says, don't do this. He told you what to do. Don't quarrel. Don't get into just mindless conversations where it's just word, um, just idle, uh, foolish, frivolous words that have no value. Timothy is to avoid such chatter. He says, you just don't go down those rabbit holes where they're just chatting on about nothing and stick to what is true, stick to what you know, handle the word of God and proclaim that boldly, simply, faithfully. And then he gives a reason why. He says, why? Why would you do that? He says, because it will lead people to ungodliness. When you get involved in these kind of mindless conversations and vicious verbal exchange and just chatting on about stuff that's not the truth. Ultimately, it leads people away from God. And the second thing he says, actually, it spreads like a disease. He uses the images of, the image of gangrene, which is a horrible condition that can spread through the body and cause uh, the loss of limbs. If limbs aren't cut off, ultimately take life. And he says, it's like that. It's a spiritual disease. It leads people away from God. Don't get involved with it. And then he mentions two people. He mentions Hymenaeus and Philetos um, at the end of verse 17 there. And he's saying these guys have, are, are doing that. They're getting involved and they're teaching things contrary to the gospel. And it says they have swerved from the truth. It means they're missing the mark. They're going astray. If you've driven a car and it's swerved, you had to swerve, you go off the road. You veer away from the direction you should be heading in. And it says these two guys have done that. And Paul has already mentioned Hymenaeus. If you go to his first letter to Timothy, Hymenaeus comes up there and someone who's actually been put out of the church for false teaching. Philetus isn't actually mentioned anywhere else in our Bibles, but it's probably likely 
that Timothy knew him because he could, Paul could just name him and said, oh, we know who these two guys are. And I always find it really tragic that this guy is only mentioned in the Bible is here and it's such a negative thing. He was a false teacher. Uh, he taught something contrary um, to the word of God, such a tragic place. And Paul's saying these two people, they've swerved from the truth and they're teaching error. And the error it says they're teaching is the resurrection has already happened. Now, we know Jesus rose from the dead. Paul teaches that very boldly, very faithfully. Um, but then there was a resurrection to come. Paul talk, talks about that in Corinthians, um, that we would one day rise with him. But these guys were teaching that it's kind of already happened. We don't know much more about this. We just know that kind of fact. Paul's saying we don't know what the implications are. But it's clearly contrary to God's word, contrary to what Paul is teaching, uh, contrary to uh, the gospel. And it says they're upsetting the faith of others. So they're their, their words are like that spiritual sickness that's going in and it's causing others to fall away from faith or to doubt their faith. And it's not something that Timothy should be involved in. It's not something that Timothy should get, uh, should be kind of near, should stay away from that, avoid that, but actually pro boldly proclaim the truth. And then Paul finishes with just a little good words because you can kind of feel like there's, there's false teaching. What do we do? What is the truth? When people deny the truth and there's false teachers around, when the counterfeit comes, what do we do with that? But Paul reassures Timothy and says, God's foundation stands bearing this seal. And he uses two images there. There's the, the image of a foundation of a house. God's word has got a strong, a secure, a firm foundation. The word of God cannot be ultimately uh, rocked. It is stable, just like the church is stable, which is fell on, on the word of God. It can't be rocked. And then the, the seal is an image of ownership, legal ownership, genuine authenticity. And actually God's word is genuine, it is authentic, and it stands firm before him. And then he quotes a couple of... Um, uh, verses there which are kind of alluding to a story back in the Old Testament in Numbers 16 and it actually comes as a warning because if you read Numbers 16 there is a story there of, of a man named Korah uh, and some others who oppose Moses and Aaron and now Moses was a leader of God's people he was a prophet uh, spoke the word of God, brought the Ten Commandments down from Mount Sinai. So he represents kind of the coming of the word of God. And Aaron uh, was the high priest um, and represents kind of the mediation between man and God. And so they were God's leaders there. And Korah stood in opposition. He came and opposed them. So he represents the false teaching. And God into that situation spoke and Korah and his followers were destroyed. And so Paul is putting this thing out saying, one, there's a great thing. But actually God's word is firm, it is genuine, it's going to last, it's going to be all right. But actually those who oppose it, there is a warning. There is a warning for them that actually everyone, uh, God knows who are his. And actually those who aren't will be, will be taken uh, from him and passed out of his presence. But actually let everyone call on the name of the Lord, not deal with that, not go, go along with that, that iniquity, that teaching. But actually come and stand firm on the word of God. So Timothy is very much used to know the truth. He's meant to be someone who's a, who's a worker, who's approved, who understands it, who handles it, who stays away from false teaching because God's word is firm, it's secure. And then Paul moves on to the second section where he says they're to tr choose the truth. So he's got to know the truth, now choose the truth. And he uses an illustration uh, from a house. 
and he um, he's discussing kind of the nature of uh, the people who kind of claim to be Christians and the church and it can be a bit mixed those who follow the truth those who are teaching falsehood and it's all a bit sort of blended and he basically uses this image of a house and he says in that house there are those there are vessels of gold and silver and the image there of gold and silver is of uh, value and of uh, divinity and of kind of being useful royalty wealth and they're a sign of things that 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 are used for positive good things and then there's also vessels that are wooden and clay and they're kind of used for more dishonorable things and they're more like to get broken and thrown out and use some more everyday stuff and Paul is basically saying that there is a choice there you should choose the truth he says if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable he'll be a vessel for honorable use so actually there's a change that can happen you can be one but you can change the other if you choose to follow the truth if you choose to follow the truth you choose to honor God's word live it out you'll be a vessel for honorable use which is this image of gold and silver if you choose not to follow God's word you choose to reject it you become an a vessel for dishonorable use wood and clay and you don't want to be you don't want to be that because you want to be gold and silver because it says then you're useful to the master of the house you are set apart as holy which is what believers are and then you're ready for every good work so because you've taken god's word you've chosen it you listen to it you understand it and then you're useful for him in his kingdom to be used by him to spread the good news because if you know the good news you can then live it out and spread it to others and so timothy is to know the truth he is to choose the truth, live a life following after that, and, um, and then he is to live the truth out, which is our final section, verses 22 to 26. And there's three more uh, commands from Paul to Timothy, three more imperatives that we find out that Timothy, once he's known it and chosen it, he needs to live it out. And Paul says, uh, that again, they follow the same pattern of negative, positive, negative. And the first thing Paul says uh, to Timothy is, so you must flee youthful passions. He is to flee, which means to uh, run away, uh, to get far away as possible, to leg it, to get right out of that situation. He is to flee, and then it says youthful passions. Now, there's a little bit of ambiguity of what this actually means, but in the context of the passage, we can point to the fact it's likely that it means do not engage in arguments. Um, one of the signs of youth is obviously immaturity, um, grown up, but also hot-headedness. Uh, rashness, quick decisions, quick to shoot off your mouth. Now, unfortunately, that doesn't necessarily go as you get older, but Paul is saying it's often a sign of the young. You think they know it and they want to talk about it. He's saying, don't be like that. Flee that. Don't act that way, Timothy. Flee from those youthful passions. And instead, as you're fleeing from there, you have to run to something. So you run from something and he's running to something. So what do you say? He says you are to pursue. What does he pursue? He says righteousness. He says faith, he says love, and he says peace. You should use all those things. That's what you're to run for. Not hot-headedness, not arrogance, quick shooting off your mouth, vicious words, all those other things that came earlier in the passage. You are to pursue righteousness, which is a moral standard, standard an uprightness before God, following his Lord. You're to pursue faith, which is about a vertical relationship with God, trusting God, trusting his word, trusting who he is, what it says about him. Then there's love, which is a horizontal dynamic where we are to love others around us. So Timothy is to pursue love. And then there is peace, which is an attitude, a, a quiet composure, a patient 
which stands opposed to the things Paul's already mentioned about quarreling and those kind of attitudes. And all that comes uh, from a pure heart, which points to the cleansing that comes by the power of God when we repent of our sins and we turn to Jesus and we put our faith and trust in him and we we get his righteousness and his grace and his mercy come into our lives and our hearts are cleansed um, as a result. And we're to do that along with others who call on the name of the Lord, the, the fellowship of the believers that would have been in the church there uh, in Ephesus. So Paul is saying you've got to run from that and you've got to run towards that. And then he adds something else on the end to follow the pattern from the previous bit of the passage is another negative command. He says, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies, for they just breed quarrels. And he's already told Timothy, don't be quarrelsome. And he says there's these ignorant controversies that come out, and the, the, the word um, foolish is like frivolous, unskilled, it's just kind of noise, and the ignorant will be uneducated, stupid. So it's just people just talking about stuff they don't know what they're talking about, just noise coming out of mouth, talking for talking's sake. And he says, don't get involved in those kind of quarrels. Don't get involved in people who just want to pick fights, who just want to talk about uh, irrelevant things, minor things, insignificant things, but they think it's important. They're just going to go on about it. He says, don't do that. Don't get involved in that. And instead, he then gives Timothy a pattern to follow. If you look at verses 24 to 26, he gives him a pattern. He says, this is how you're to live your life. And he said, as the Lord's servant, because that's what it ultimately comes back to. He says, you're a servant of the Lord Jesus. He's the one that you look to. He's the one whose lead you follow. He's the one who you look to guide you to follow his commands. He's the one you're trying to please. And he says, don't be quarrelsome. That whole idea comes back. He says, don't be quarrelsome. Don't be that kind of person. But he says, be kind to everyone. Able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So there is a pattern of life that Timothy is to follow. And he's not to be quarrelsome. Instead, he's to be kind, an agent of kindness to everyone. Everyone, whoever comes about, those who are teaching truth, those who are teaching um, false truth, he is to be kind to them. There is an attitude towards others that is to be gracious and humble he's able to teach which means he must be able to instruct with the truth which will come out of the fact that he is a worker approved to know the truth he's got to be able to instruct others in it and he is to be patient in the face of evil because false teachers who disagree with you won't just attack what you believe they'll attack you personally they will come after you personally Timothy and they'll point out things of your life and attack you and that's going to be tough but you are to be patient in the face of evil but you're not to be passive you are to correct your opponents, which means you are to teach them, you are to educate them, but you're to do it um, with gentleness. You're not to uh, fight fire with fire. You're not to mirror the world and how they're speaking to you. You're not to mirror what they're doing if they attack you personally, but you are to do it with gentleness, pointing out their errors, pointing to the truth, proclaiming what that is. And the reasons for that, then there's a kind of a twofold reason at the end. There's a, a positive reason that God would grant repentance, that hopefully corrective teaching, teaching of the truth would ultimately result in a positive outcome of people coming to faith. But maybe those who swerved away from the faith, repenting and coming back in, those who've kind of forsaken uh, the church, who's forsaken Jesus, would actually be returned to him because they've heard the truth. They've seen someone gently minister to them, correct them uh, with humility. 
Um, but then he says also there is a, there's a negative way of looking at it is that people would come to their senses. They would sober up um, is kind of the image behind that. They would sort of have a moment of, oh my goodness, clarity. And they would realize that they're going down a, a rabbit hole um, and they see that they're in the snare of the devil. They see they're in a trap and they want to get out of it. I'm reminded of the story of the, the prodigal son who goes away and he he lived the, the kind of the, the loose living and he squanders all his father's wealth and then he finds himself in the the pigsty feeding the pigs and it has a moment the story says he comes to his senses he suddenly realizes where he is and what he's doing and actually he, he sees the light and as a result he returns he repents he returns to his father and his father welcomes him back in and paul is saying that actually the result of us living and Timothy living that that life of kindness and graciousness and gentleness and pursuing righteousness and love and peace and truth is ultimately to see people come back to faith, to see people saved, to see people come to the knowledge of the truth. It's not about being quiet and not speaking out truth. It's about doing it in a certain way that hopefully others will see the love of God coming through, see the grace of God coming through, see the mercy of God coming through and in turn return to Jesus and love him and serve him for themselves. So that's our passage for today and um, we now need to look at a couple of bits of application uh, which I hope we want to earth with you and in this passage begs a few questions uh, for us that I just want to ask you and maybe give you a moment to think about what that means for you because the, the first one I think it, it begs is that are you getting to know the word of truth? Timothy, Paul told Timothy he said that you should be a worker approved, rightly able to handle the word of truth. Now for us now, we have our Bibles, which is God's word to us, Old Testament, New Testament, it's all there. And we are we men and women able to rightly handle it? Are we men and women growing in knowledge of the truth? And we're all at different stages, we've all been following Jesus different kind of periods of time, but the 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 kind of the weight on us is that we are are we doing what we can where we are to continue to grow to continue to learn more to become more and more familiar with it so that when the counterfeit comes our way we can know it's false because we can know what's genuine and the only way you can counter what's coming is by knowing the truth so well so what are you doing to grow in knowledge of the word of truth what are you doing grow in knowledge of the Bible. Let me suggest a few things that you can try if you're not sure or you're working or maybe you want to add these into kind of the tools that you're using to get to know God's Word. First one is um, reading God's Word. Are you reading God's Word regularly? You can do this in so many different ways. There are so many different ways to do that. You can read like a Bible reading plan which will either take you through a book or uh, like the New Testament or the Old Testament or the whole Bible. People have done that over a year or longer. Uh, I can hardly recommend the, um, the Bible Project. I've got an app that you can download to your phone uh, that's got the videos, overviews of all the books of the Bible and there's a plan just to take you through God's Word and you can do it at your own pace. You can drop in any point, download that. I used that for a year, it was fantastic. I've used other plans to read through the Bible and yeah, they're brilliant. That's a great place to start. If you're not sure about that, just grab um, a book of the Bible and read through it bit by bit, chapter, and ask yourself some question. What does this say about God and who he is? What does this say about me and where I am? What do I need to do out of this? If you want a bit more hand, um, you can read um, your Bible along with some guide, a commentator, or someone to help you. Um, there's a series here uh, that Phil Moore has done, which I think pretty much covers the whole Bible now, um, of a series of books which are kind of bite-sized 
commentary. So you can read a section of the Bible, read some commentary, make some notes, be provoked in uh, your thinking. This one actually covers 2 Timothy. It's the 1 Thessalonians to Titus one. So it's got 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy and Titus all in it. So there's a lovely section of the New Testament there that you could read. Why not try, grab one of them. He's got them on the Gospels and some Old Testament books and you can have a look at it. If you want this one, get in touch with me. I'll get you a copy. I'll get it delivered to your house if you want to learn a little bit more. They're great. What I do is I find so helpful is um, I use these, the ESV Scripture Journals, which basically have uh, the page of the Bible on one side that you can read and then somewhere to write some notes on the other side. Uh, And I've been using these for several years. Um, I go read a bit of the Bible um, take some notes, some prayers, some thoughts about it, something that struck me. And because it's a journal like that, you can write all over it. So I write on it, I color it, I just highlight bits, stick bits in. I find that's really helpful um, for me doing my regular Bible reading. Get on there. Um, something else you could try. We've got real life school coming up. The video went out uh, this week on you on the email. If you've seen that, the first thing they're going to do in the school is helping you interact with your Bible, read your Bible regularly. They've got people to help you, coach you. If you haven't checked that out, please do that. Um, that would be great. Those who filled in the survey um, and said we need some help reading the Bible, we'll be contacting you and say, come on, come on this course, help you get into your Bible more regularly. Take that up. Um, sermons. If you haven't listened to the sermons from this series, go back, listen to them. Hear the word of truth. Read it for yourself. Think about it. Let it um, connect with your life. Um, another thing that some people in the church are doing is the God Speaks Story course, which is run by the Catalyst Network that we're a part of. I know some people in the church are doing that and find that helpful, uh, connecting with the Bible as a whole and what's God's story from Genesis to Revelation, which is a course you can go on, um, which is just another way of knowing the truth and learning about the truth and handling it. And we're all continuing going. Just this week, I've been down in London looking at the book uh, One and Two Kings, learning about that, trying to grow in my knowledge of the truth um, because I've been doing this role for, for years and years and years and there's still so much I haven't learned that I want to keep growing. I don't want to stop. I want to keep learning about God's words so that I can be a worker who stands approved before God and I can rightly handle his words. So that's the first one. What are you doing uh, to get to know God's word through this? Pick one of those things. Talk to someone and get into your Bible. The second question this prompts for us is how are we presenting this truth to others. How are we presenting this truth to others? Because Paul was very much, as well as knowing the word and knowing the truth, how you live that out and how you present it to others is vital. Paul says to Timothy, in the face of opposition, in the face of those who are teaching a false gospel, in the face of a secular world that's teaching so many other things, how are you acting? How are you living that out? How are you known in the places that you walk, the spheres? that you walk in, the friendships group that you walk in, the workplace you work in? Are you known as someone who is a gossip, who is stroppy, who is antagonistic, who is aggressive, confrontational, judgmental? Whether that be in person or on social media, that is not how God would have us act. We're to be known as gentle, kind, gracious, humble. What about when you get to share the good news of Jesus with others? Do you use it as a weapon to attack them, to beat them, to tell them they're wrong? Or do you see it as an opportunity to welcome them into a relationship with a God who loves them, God who wants to know them, the God who adores them and has done everything he can to open up that way? What are are you doing in those things? Because it's vital how we live and how we proclaim the gospel. Because if our life doesn't marry up with our words, people won't take us seriously. 
People won't listen to us. People reject Jesus because we've done a poor job of presenting it. We need to be people who remember that we're to love those around us, we're to care for them, we're to serve them. And ultimately, when we get an opportunity to tell them about Jesus, we do it to do it graciously, do it winsomely, do it humbly, and give them an opportunity to get to know a God who loves them with an everlasting love. So we're kind of done there. What are you going to do to get to know the word of truth? What are you going to do to get to know? Pick one of those things, talk about it, and then hopefully you will grow in your knowledge of God's word. It would be great. Think about how you're presenting that to others. Think about how you're living that out and see what God would have you do with that. It's been great speaking to you. It's a shame we couldn't do it in person, but there's a football match. I hope we won. I hope to see you soon next week back on Sunday Night Live. Um, Have a great day. Love you guys. See you.